Before we start this episode of the I'm Fine podcast, we want to make a sh- we want to make sure to take some time to thank our incredible sponsors. And for this episode, we actually have four sponsors. So our first sponsor is Smart Local 265. Uh, Smart Local 265 is a sheet metal union based out of Carroll Stream, Illinois. Its membership consists of roughly 1869 members with over 150 contractors providing work to over 6, or excuse me, over 9 local counties. Local 265 specializes in all things HVAC. From commercial to residential to industrial to architectural, Smart Local 265 does it all. With their four-year apprenticeship program, Smart Local 265 trains some of the industry's most skilled HVAC mechanics, in addition to doing volunteer work in their communities and donating to local charities like Project Headspace and Timing throughout the year. For more information on locating a qualified contractor or how to become a member of the Smart Local 265 family, please visit smart265.org. Our next sponsor for the podcast is Kaz Cauliflower Pizza. Now, Kaz Cauliflower Pizza was started by United States Marine Corps infantry veteran and personal friend of mine, Rob Slotten. Rob used a secret family recipe to create a delicious alternative to some of the carb-heavy options that are often found when you are trying to enjoy your favorite slice of pizza. It's got homemade taste, handmade crusts, and healthy enough that they have begun selling at GNC locations, juice bars, and restaurants throughout Southern Florida. We tried some of these ourselves. We are huge fans, not only of the crust for the pizzas that you can make, but also for the little pizza bites. Uh, They're just outstanding. And if you want to try Kaz Cauliflower Pizza, you can visit them at www.kazcauliflowerpizza.com. And if you place an order, add the words fine family before your name and the shipping address, and you'll receive one free pizza with your order. Again, that's kazcauliflowerpizza.com. The words find family before your name in the shipping address, and you'll get one free pizza with your order. Our next sponsor is Sergeant Stickers. So you can boost your brand appeal with Sergeant Stickers and create memorable experiences for your customers with their high quality stickers and branded merchandise. Sergeant Stickers strives to be a partner in production ensuring that you get the highest quality products possible and actively works with and advises their clients to ensure their products are usable and successful the first time, saving you both time and money. Sergeant Stickers is a disabled veteran-owned business dedicated to supporting American businesses, unlike major integrated printing companies that order their vinyl in bulk from overseas at the lowest possible price. So check out Sergeant Stickers at sergeantstickers.com or on Instagram at sergeantstickers. Our new sponsor for the this episode and for about the next year's worth of episodes is Trio. Now, as adults, we sometimes dream of continuing our education to advance our career, but where does one even begin? Trio can help you take that first step. The TRIO Educational Opportunity Center located at Governor's State University and serving those 19 and over in several local counties specializes in GEDs, financial aid, scholarships and admissions applications, tutoring, career counseling, and more. TRIO is funded through the Department of Education and all services are free to participants. 
Veterans are also encouraged to apply. To learn more and apply, please visit www.govst.edu forward slash trio, T-R-I-O, E-O-C. Once again, www.govst.edu forward slash T-R-I-O-E-O-C. All free. Like, I could have used that kind of stuff a lot, especially when I was younger, especially when I first got out of the military. Career counseling. I feel like everybody could use career counseling, financial aid. Uh, It's very cool. It's very cool what they have going on over there, and we're very thankful to have them as a sponsor of today's episode. On today's episode of the I'm Fine Podcast, we're going to talk about being freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional about finding the strength and courage to ask for help. We're going to talk about times in our lives when we needed to reach out for help, why we think it's so difficult in reaching out to get somebody when you really need it, and some things that you can do if you think you really need to ask for help. Welcome to the I'm Fine Podcast with your freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional hosts, Eric Peterson and Brad Stozik. So we are almost one year into doing a podcast. One year. Releasing an episode every other week with the exception of like one week and we ended up making up for it. Yeah. How do you feel? It's been a year. Crazy. I can't believe it, dude. Do you feel more calm when you're doing like a, when you're doing a recording now compared to like the first time? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't sweat as much. I don't sweat as much. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been a trip. It's cool. It's, it's yeah. weird to think that it's already been almost a year. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem real to me, no. but I definitely could not say this enough, man. We have a really solid, loyal base of followers and I really appreciate every single person that is liked, subscribed, shared, commented on all our all of our stuff like it's really cool to see this you know continue to grow and we couldn't continue to grow if we didn't have that help dude that's pretty cool i couldn't agree more yep speaking of help so uh for today's episode we wanted to talk about you know i'll back up a little bit like initially when we were doing this podcast and remember the first episode we started talking about how we wanted to cover things in the dsm-5 uh how we wanted to get into you know all the major like diagnoses and things that people could receive in the world of mental health and i still want to get to that stuff i still want to do it but i just realized that there's so much shit on just a super basic (laughs) level that i think needs to be discussed you know what i'm saying yep and uh, a part of that that i find to be one of the most common things within the community that i operate in the veteran community space is just being able to reach out for help like it's impossible and it's so hard and not just i mean i think that there's a part of that because i'm a veteran i think there's a part of that honestly being a man and then i think there's parts of that just being a human being like it's just really hard to ask for help um a couple of things that i found uh so i briefly read a little bit of a white paper uh called the science of generosity 
by Dr. Summer Allen. And she talks about how, you know, we were built to help each other. Uh, she says that helping others actually makes us feel good and that generosity is likely an important evolutionary adaption for our species. And then she, and then she poses the question why it's so hard to ask for help. Like when I think about how we ask for help, especially as like a society and as a community, I think about September 12th, 2001. I, you know what I mean? Like yep. watching people stand up, walk outside, dust themselves off, reach out to their neighbors like, hey, you good? I just want to make sure you're good. Like, do you need anything? Like, I think about Hurricane Harvey because that's one of the ones that I remember like fairly vividly. Like all of the collection points around Kankakee, Illinois, like over a thousand miles. I forget how far it is from here to to Harvey, Texas, but it's like, it's a trek, you know, and we were just gathering things to send them down to a bunch of people that we didn't know just because we knew they needed help. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the type of stuff that I love to see. Like when there's floods and you'll see a bunch of onlookers making a chain just so they can reach somebody that's out of reach that needs some help to get pulled to safety. You know, I'm not condoning putting yourself in any sort of danger by any means, but it's just like, you see shit like that. And you're like, man, that's what it's about. Right? Like that's part of why, I mean, I joined the military in the first place. And when you meet anybody that, you know, like a lot of cops that I know, a lot of veterans that I know, it's like, well, why did you join? Well, I wanted to help. You know what I mean? So it's in us to help, but, why do you think it's so hard to reach out for help, especially when I feel like most people are super good at helping? Maybe yeah. not necessarily super good at helping, but that they want to help. A yeah. lot of people want to help. You know what I mean? So why do you think it's so difficult for people to actually reach out for that help? From what from what perspective? From a man's perspective? From a veteran? Like from like what? Just in general. Starting in general. <clears throat> I just think it's hard to ask for help because maybe you don't want to show somebody that you're weak. You know what I mean? Like it's a sign of strength or dominance. Maybe dominance isn't the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, no, you're right. I mean, most things that I read, uh, said that one of the biggest reasons why most people are afraid to ask for help is because they're afraid. It's a fear of some kind. They're afraid of seeming vulnerable. Yeah. They're afraid of, they, they think that asking for help itself is a weakness. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I, I definitely think, I definitely think you're right. Um, why else? Like either as a man or as a veteran or as anything, why do you think it's so hard for people to reach out for help? I think for me, for as a veteran, my, they always taught me to help others. Make sure your brother and sisters are taken care of. You, yeah. You know, so I think that's why it's it's hard for a veteran to ask for help. Well, like that, and it's like literally and figuratively beaten into your brain. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That like drive on, like grit your teeth and drive on. You're fine. Rub dirt on it, drink water, pull out, pull security, whatever. Yeah. Like just get get over it. You know what I mean? And I think that that works well when it comes to a short-term obstacle, yeah. like assaulting a hilltop or something. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it works as great for like, you know, life. Like, <laughs> But it's crazy because we grew up in a time where our, our parents or like 
at least mine sometimes. Oh, my dad used to ask me, are you a man or a mouse? Rub some dirt in it. So it started, that started even before the military. Yeah. But all, which, yeah, I mean, the generations before us had that type of mentality and I know generations, older generations always criticize the younger ones, but I always feel like it's kind of unfair because we don't understand the younger generations and what they're going through. We just don't. It's a different world. We We can act like we do, but we don't. And so we apply our logic to the younger generations and maybe they had that opportunity or they were forced in that position because of World War II or Korea or Vietnam or whatever the case may be. They were pushed in this position where they had to be that way to make it through. But still you see a lot of those people that had that mentality you know dying of heart attacks uh something stress related you know i can't help but think like some of that's because they held all that shit in for so long you know and they kept saying just drive on but like it reminds me again of what my therapist told me because what i've said is that i take all of my problems and i put them in a box and then i put the box in the back of the warehouse in my brain and i as I told her that, and I've said this before, she was just like, you don't have that kind of control. Like you can't just take a problem that you have and just say, I'm going to deal with this later. And then you put it with a billion other fucking boxes of problems. She was just like, what do you do when they all start leaking out and there's nothing you can do to stop them anymore. And that's what's happened to me. That like, that's what happened to me when I was having issues. And so I just think that it's incredibly important to know that, you just can't have that. You don't have, you don't always have that type of control when you think you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so other than that, and also, I also think that being a man, you know, and I feel like just by saying that, it just, it's gonna, it would make some people immediately start rolling their eyes or like <laughs> sighing, but being a man also means that it's going to be really hard to ask for help because what if you're in a situation where there's nobody that can help you? What if you're in a situation where, I mean, you are at the, whether you're a man or a woman, but I, I speak about this being a man because I have the experience obviously, but it's like, if you are the head of your household or you are the man of the house, like, you're working, you're doing everything you can to make sure that the lights are on, bellies are full, you know, everybody's good. But how do you, who do you even go to? What if you don't have anybody to go to? You know what I mean? And then how do you even start that conversation? Like it's just, and, and also, you know, Chris Rock, he has a bit about this. I don't know if it necessarily fits so much here, but I did think he had quite a point to it where, where he said that men are, only uh worth something if they can like prove their worth like he said that the only things that can be loved unconditionally are women children and dogs and he said that men are loved on the condition that they are worth something that's what he said and or something along those lines and i was like yeah so when you have to ask for help as a man you feel like it's an immediate attack on your worth You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to protect my family. I'm supposed to do this and I can't, you know, how how do I get help for that? You know what I mean? It's just, it's all supposed to be my responsibility. I mean, do you ever feel that way? I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I feel like it's for, we'll probably get into it a little bit later, but being visually impaired 
makes it way more difficult. Well, I mean, the second that that happened for you, did you just start saying, okay, I'm definitely going to need help. Hey, everybody, this is what's going on. I definitely need help. Or like, mm-hmm. how did you even start asking for help when you had to go through something as dramatic as losing your vision? I started asking for help when a doctor made it official. The first time I heard my eye doctor say that I am legally blind. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I was like, well, how am I going to to life? Right. So I had yeah. I had um an instructor from the blind center came to my house and they kind of just gave me a quick rundown. They're, they I didn't get a cane yet because I was like, no, I don't need it. I don't need a cane. Yeah. Um I'm sorry, this was before the the person came to my house. Okay. Um I was like, I don't need a cane. Well, I was using Amanda as a guide. So as of, for those of you who don't know, you can use, visually impaired people can use a person as a guide where you grab the person's elbow and um, if, you, if the person steps down, you can feel them step. Yeah. And then if someone is, you know, if you want them to go behind you, just go to a tight squeeze or something, you just move your arm to the back and the person will follow your arm down and then know to get behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were doing that everywhere we went. Um, and there would be times where she would forget because she had, you know, we have Gavin and Nora, two little ones. They were much younger at this time. And she would just walk away. And I would just be like, uh. So then finally somebody came. I I had to, dude. I couldn't get around anymore. Yeah. So I had to ask for help. So. I, did, it, did it hurt your pride having to ask for help? At first, until I learned how to use the cane and realized how much independence I got back. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest holdups is like also being worried about it hurting your pride because you feel like, again, when when you ask for help, it's like a weakness. I mean, that's how some people feel. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, so according to an article in Self, um, how to ask for help when you need it, according to the experts, uh, they, they mentioned that there's all sorts of reasons why people struggle to reach out for for help uh the fears are you know fear of appearing weak or incompetent being rejected or burdening others i was like yeah i mean i definitely feel all that especially the burdening others part too i think that's a really big one because it's like i've had friends tell me this uh where they say uh actually this was just told to me today i was like hey yeah i i'm i'm dealing with i was so let me set this up. I was, I was talking to my friends, uh, one of my friends who was just going through kind of a hard time and she, she'd been going through it for a while. She hadn't said anything to me. And I was just like, why didn't you say anything to me about this? And she just said, well, I just, I know you're, you're busy and stuff and I want to bother you with it. And I'm like, you're not bothering me with it, you know? And you have that mentality that you're just bothering people and people don't have time or don't care or don't want to, they just don't want to deal with your problems. And I think that that's what keeps, I mean, obviously that's one thing that keeps a lot of people from asking for help too. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then also like we met when you and I first met, you were kind of asking for help. What do you say? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kind of. Let's <laughs> mention. Like what was happening at that time? Um, let me think. When was that? 
probably a year and a half ago. I don't know. I think I was just just alone, and I I knew Jake Lamore knew you, and I knew what you did, the, the work that you do. Yep. And yeah, and I just reached out. But I think I was just alone. Yeah. And here we are, like a fucking year and a half later. Here we are doing fucking doing podcasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I'm glad that you reached out too, man. And and I think it's good. And why did you get pushed to the point where you were finally like, I'm going to reach out for help now? I got to the point where I saw, I didn't, I wasn't suicidal. Yeah. But I saw where I was like, okay, I understand why people, why people would, would do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. Like disease, like you're sitting there looking at yourself and you're just like, okay, I know where this is going to go. Yeah. Like I'm not there yet, but if I keep on this road, that's where I'm going to fucking be. And you have to make a decision at that point. Do I want to continue to fall farther down before I realize that I can pick myself back up? Or do I want to just, you know, be a little as proactive as I can and try to reach out for help? I think it's super important to do that because it's like... And I, it's so hard to ask for help, but the one really empowering thing that I think people should be aware of is when you finally do reach out for help, I think there are times where you're going to be overwhelmed in a good way with the amount of help that you receive. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have people, when my mom died, I had so many people and I wasn't necessarily asking for help. I should have been asking for help. I needed help. And so many people that I know reached out to me that also lost a parent. And they were just like, Hey, I saw what happened. This is what, you know, I dealt with this. This is what I did. Super helpful. And I also liked that because I didn't feel put on the spot. I didn't feel like, you know, they were just, coming at me and that I felt pressured to like respond. It was just beautiful to just like you said earlier to know that you're not alone. Cause when you want to ask for help, you feel like you're alone, but the act of feeling alone, like that goes away usually once you ask for help. Now I will say one thing that can happen. And again, I kind of bring this back to like, I don't know if this is just because of being a man because of being a veteran, I mean, I'm sure a lot of females deal with a similar thing too, but it's just like, there is an issue. There's something to be said about the person that keeps it inside for so long and then finally reaches out for help, but nobody listens at that point. Like everybody just kind of brushes it off. And I think that that happens. I think that happens quite a bit. And I don't think it's because the people around that person don't give a shit about them. I think it's because when you're the strong person for so long, I think that people don't think you could be weak if you tried. And again, not saying that asking for help is weakness. I think it's a strength, but for, but in this, in this uh, situation, you kind of just assume that, oh, that person never asked for help. They're always fine. And if they do ask for help, they're, they're just messing around. Like they'll, they'll be fine. They'll get through it. But in actuality, a lot of those people have been holding it in for so long. 
on their own and they finally decide in that moment to reach out for help and then they get shot down do you think they're gonna go ask for help again like if they do it's gonna be a while it's gonna take a lot because the feeling of being vulnerable is one of the scariest things in the world i think we are so afraid to put ourselves out there and to be our genuine and authentic selves and to let somebody know like i am just not doing good right now and i think about why that's such an issue and why we're so afraid and i think part of that is again just i think just looking weak like being afraid to look weak and stuff like that i don't know uh what do you think yeah i could agree with that i don't i mean it's hard to like want to look you know what i mean like like you said you don't want to look weak well and so i to like remedy that at least as a person in your group of friends or family or whoever you have in your life i think that like if you can just make sure that the way that you carry yourself is in a way where you are letting people know that you don't judge you know i think that's that's the biggest thing in taking down that wall of being afraid to feel vulnerable. Cause if you are afraid to feel vulnerable in front of me and you know that I don't judge you at all for fucking anything, you're going to be a little more comfortable being vulnerable around me. Cause you know, I'm not going to judge you. That's the whole thing. And like, I always tell people when it comes to what we do, a project had space and timing. And when it comes to what we do in the veteran space, my two most important things, we have to love every veteran unconditionally, unconditionally. And we have to not judge them. If we can do those two things, I think we can help out an overwhelming majority of them just by letting veterans know you're not judged here. We love you no matter what, because then you, you may have the strength to ask for help. And I don't think, I think in a lot of these situations, if you want to get that help and you want to get benefits out of getting help, it starts with you taking control of your situation and saying, I have the strength to ask for help because that's what I need in this moment. I mean, I I think it's going to just set you on the right path to getting the help you need. You know what I mean? Um, But so if you think you might need to ask for help. I wanted to find what I could find. Um, and what I found was on psychology today, four tips to effectively ask for help. So the first one is to be concise and specific. So, I mean, yeah, that totally makes sense, right? Like you're not just gonna be like, yo, I need help. And that's it. Like you need to tell people what you need help with. Uh, So it says asking for and offering help can only be productive under one crucial condition, clear communication. Try to communicate your request as clearly and concisely as possible. There is no need to over explain. Pause on that. I love that. I always agree. I always agree. There's so many times in life where I feel like people are over explaining and I'm like, you know, say less like you already made your point i get it you get to a certain point in a conversation where when you over explain it starts to like take everything backwards yeah you know what i'm saying so like i love that simply describe what the task is why it matters 
and how the person you're asking for, uh, or how the person you're asking can contribute. So, I mean, like earlier today, I called you to pick you up for the podcast and you go, yes, can you help me move a basketball hoop? And I was like, what? (laughs) But I was like, yeah, dude, I mean, you laid it out and you're like, I'm a couple blocks down. We're going to grab a basketball hoop. I need some extra help. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. You know what I mean? Just getting ready for this episode. That's what you were doing in that moment, buddy. Yep. Uh, Number two, the second thing you can do, do not apologize. Don't apologize for asking for help. No one gets excited about a task and uh, no one gets excited about a task that the asker feels the need to apologize for. We all need help sometimes. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but apologizing makes it seem like you're doing something wrong by asking and casts, uh, casts the task in a negative light. I like that. I really like that, you know, because I do that. I apologize all the time because I want to be considerate and stuff. But yeah, the things I'm asking, obviously it means quite a bit or else I wouldn't be asking, uh, you know, but I, uh, that was a pretty, pretty cool one that I definitely agreed with the more that I thought about it. Um, yeah, I'm also very guilty of that. Yeah. I apologize for everything. Yeah. 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 I even do it to my mom. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't, okay. I just, I don't know. I say sorry for like everything. I do notice that you do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like before we went here, you were like, hey man, can we get something to eat? I'm hungry. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And you're like, sorry. I'm like, for what? <laughs> Being hungry? Yeah. I don't know. How dare you? I don't, don't know. Don't you ever be hungry in my presence? <laughs> like, maybe something traumatic <sighs> happened where like I did something and I got yelled at or something and I... Uh, didn't apologize. I don't know. <laughs> You're just super considerate. Maybe that too. Because I'm really considerate. Same. Th- I think it's just a Midwest thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Midwest, the Midwestern folks are just the nicest group of people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Southerners are also super nice, but Midwesterners, we're we're known for our niceness. Yeah. Like if you want to leave a party, it's gonna be like 45 minutes, yep. bro. You're not gonna be able to slide out of there. You know what no. I'm saying? Like, no. <laughs> it's it's yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> I think that that plays into why we feel like we have a need to apologize. But uh, the third one on here, make it personal, not transactional. So it says, don't ask for help over an email or a text. I don't know. I'm kind of 50 50 with this one, really, because I'm like, in today's world, we're going to fucking text. I take texts just as seriously. I'm probably going to read the text faster than I would. Uh, I would get the information faster via text than I would on a phone call. Yeah. But um, it just says that though it's easier to send a written request, it's also a lot easier to say no to one. Try to speak face to face or uh, on a call. Studies show that face to face requests are 35 times more, 34 times more successful by being face to face. So it's like, yeah, when you're asking for help, and I mean, you think about sales jobs. And it's not really asking for help, but I feel like it's along it's it's along the same vein. You know what I mean? And you got to be face to face for those interactions, like a lot of those where there needs to be some trust established or something. Like I, I do think, depending on what you're asking help for, you know, being face to face does make sense too. If it's like a really significant thing, like I'm going to ask for financial assistance from you. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I can see why you would need to be in person. Yeah. 
the next one, follow up with results. So beyond expressing your gratitude, you should follow up with the helper to share the tangible results of their aid. As much as we'd like to think that acts of generosity are their own reward, the reality is, is that people long to feel effective. We want to feel that the work we do and the help we give actually matters. So by, you know, if somebody does help you, thanking them for it, letting them know afterwards, hey, I appreciate, oh, so here's a great uh, example of that. Um, Melanie, our Melanie, um, she always comes out to the festival, uh, you know, and she sets up shop. And she told me after the last festival, she said, hey, thank you for having me out there. Um, I got, I think she said like four new veteran referrals to utilize her services from it. And so that's like a perfect example. You know what I mean? Like she reached out to me to thank me. And then she told me, um, you know, what came from that. And that made me feel great because the, like hearing things like that make all the other stuff worth it. When you are a helper, people always say, how do you help the helper? And I think you help the helper by letting them know how you, how they helped you. So like when somebody helps somebody else and you, and you thank somebody the way that Melanie thanked me, that was such a beautiful compliment to give. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't about just me personally. It was about something that I had done. And I feel like that helps me feel like I'm a part of a bigger thing. And that's just really nice to do for somebody. So in my opinion, if you want to help the helper, let them know how they're helping. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, and following up with the results. Um, and now the other thing I looked, I looked into was, uh, on the SAMHSA website. So SAMHSA is substance abuse, mental health services administration. And this was how to ask for help. Uh, they say on here, the first thing you should do is talk to somebody that you trust. Like, yeah, for sure. If this is about something that you're super vulnerable about or you're, and you're uncomfortable and you don't know how to talk about it, you're going to want to talk to talk about it to somebody that you really, really trust. Uh, think about what you want specifically so you can be very clear in your request. Like we talked about earlier from that other article, the importance of clear communication and then decide who you want to talk to. So do you want to talk to a family member? Do, would you feel better talking to a friend, a religious or spiritual leader, a healthcare professional support group? Uh, or maybe if you don't have any of those things, you could talk to a helpline. You can call or text the number 988 and you can speak with a trained crisis counselor day or night. So, I mean, there's you, you think about who you want to talk to. Uh, choose the right time and place. This is definitely important. Like... If you're going to talk to somebody and I also think about like, this kind of makes me think about my time as a private investigator also, because when I was doing like the high value investigations, um, I would be talking to somebody about something that made them feel extremely vulnerable and to make them feel okay with opening up set and setting were so important, like making sure that they're in a place where they feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Because if I bring you, if you want to talk to me about some, some real stuff that's going on and I bring you to a super busy place where a lot of shit is happening all around, depending on 
the individual, I don't think you would feel super comfortable talking about what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Or, or asking me for help, especially if I'm not giving you my undivided attention, you know, so definitely choosing the right time and place. Very, very important. Um, this article suggests finding a place that's comfortable and private. Uh, make sure you and the person you're asking for help from have the time for the conversation because, and, and I think some of this comes back to when you finally ask for help and nobody takes you serious. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is like, well, if, uh, if you're leaving for work and it is, uh, eight in the morning and we live together and I'm like, Hey, and it's like, uh, you leave for work at eight in the morning. And I say to you at seven 45 AM, like, Hey, I need help. Well, unless it's something that I really, really, really need since it's with right now. I mean, obviously mentally you're kind of like, I mean, can we talk about this later? Like, because you don't understand you're, you're preoccupied with your own life and your own thoughts and you don't understand how severe this person asking for help, how severe of a situation this is. So you just kind of like chalk it up and you're like, yo, I got all this other stuff going on and you don't really focus on it. So I think when you're asking for help, try, if you can, you know, take that stuff into consideration too, because you're just helping yourself by giving the other person enough time to really like listen to what you have to say. So I think that's pretty important. Um, and then how to talk about it. If you're anxious about what you have to ask for, take deep breaths, talk about exactly what you're feeling, utilizing that clear communication. And if you're not sure how to start that conversation and asking somebody for help. Here are some conversation starters. You can say something like, can I tell you about something that's been troubling me? I'm feeling lonely lately. Would it be okay if we set up some time to talk? I think it's time for me to get help. Uh, I'm having a hard time getting some things done. Is there a way you could help me out with something? I'm struggling to manage my recovery. Do you know of any local support groups? Uh, I'm having a hard time with my recovery. Do you know any local supports, support groups? So yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things that you can say to start that conversation where it doesn't sound incredibly intimidating. And I also think it sounds a lot more conversational, which I kind of like, because I think a lot of us are like problem solvers. And so like, if you're talking to me and you're like, yeah, yeah, I just haven't been feeling really good lately. I've been kind of depressed. You know, I'm just trying to figure out ways to get my head above water. I mean, if I heard that, I'm not just going to be like, that sucks. <laughs> and then just go on about my merry way and be like, man, what's going on? Dude, talk to me about it. Like, and it doesn't have to sound as intimidating as it is. And that's why, like, when people apologize for venting, and I'm always like, don't apologize for venting. Like that's, yeah, I feel like you're asking for help in one way when you, cause you just need to get some stuff out to somebody. And what is venting? Venting is when you don't want to be judged and you just want to be loved unconditionally. Like that's what venting is. I'm just going to say something. It's rhetorical. Don't say shit back. Like just sit there and listen to it. So I know there's another human being listening to what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, like that's venting. So, I mean, I feel like that's asking for help in a way uh, because you are just looking for people to not judge you. You know what I mean? And the other thing, the last thing, if you are trying to figure out, you know, how to ask for help and you finally are able to, an important part of this is you should congratulate yourself for being strong enough 
to reach out for help. And like lately, you know, when you think of really big, important, whether they be famous or whatever type folks, like a lot of them talk now about asking for help. A lot of them have reached out for help themselves and have talked about their own internal struggles. Like we can see that the stigma of asking for help is changing. And we also know that when we wait too long to ask for help, very seldomly does that work in our favor. Usually that blows up in our face or somebody else's when we wait too long to ask for help. And we are in a very supportive community around very loving people and a lot of people that are be that are more than willing to help if you need help. And I just think it's really important to to understand that. And and even if you do not have somebody in your family, if you do not have a circle of people, uh friends, whatever, again, don't don't forget looking up peer support groups in your area. Don't forget the helpline 988. You can text them. You can text them. I'm not doing great. Like you can just get it out there if you need to vent and there's nobody else. Like there are things that are in place. And, um, and, and also again, just like, I, you think about the benefits of peer support groups again, too. Like we, we have an episode where we had Mike Pinkle on from, uh, operation Charlie Bravo. We talked about the Lima Charlie peer support group and dude, I mean, again, how beneficial is that? I love it. I look forward to it. Every Monday, I look forward to it. Yeah. And a lot of the other guys do. And that's a crazy thing when you hear that. I mean, I say it's crazy again because it's breaking the stigma, I guess. But you have guys that show up to our peer support group every Monday Mm -hmm. and they just want to share. They just want to talk and they really look forward to it. Because And why is that? Because you know that you're not going to get judged and you're around people that understand you know what I mean? And I think that that's everything. So again, if you are trying to think of how you can be the person uh, that other people feel comfortable asking help for, do your best to not judge when somebody's reaching out for help, take them serious and, uh, and love them unconditionally. And if you need to reach out for help, I hope this episode helped you a little bit, uh, figuring that out. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add my friend about asking for help? No, I think I think that was it. <laughs> I I did want to say I think there's a lot of different ways to ask for help. Is the only other thing that I thought of. And I say that because you know, we speak a lot of we speak in a lot of ways. We speak with our words, we speak with our body language, with our acts. And I think that creating opportunities like what we have done at Project Headspace and Timing with our Troops on Trails program. We've created some really cool opportunities where we've been able to see veterans ask for help. And one of the one of the moments that I thought about was um, we did a kayak trip, and I might have talked about this before, but we had like eight veterans. Uh, I think most of them were like combat. Most mo- pretty much everybody didn't really know each other. Um, there was a lot of people that were unfamiliar with each other. And the whole plan was we were going to go sit around a fire in the morning at breakfast. And then we were going to load up in a truck with kayaks. We were going to kayak for about four hours, come back to our campsite and then have lunch. And we were sitting around the fire in the first 30 minutes. 
guys started like kind of opening up about stuff and there was no formalities there. You know what I mean? Like nobody was like, you have to talk about your feelings or whatever. We were just, we were smoking and joking like we would be back on the block. Like we were just hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to watch people, watch some of these guys just start opening up and, uh, and talking about their struggles. You know, you can, you know how like when some people fish for compliments, I feel like some people are kind of fishing for help when they're like, they're laying it all out there and you can kind of tell that they need your interaction with what they're saying to some degree. Right. So obviously you're going to try to give them a little bit of help, but like to see that, to see that told me that some of these guys, some people, they're just like packed to the brim. Like they're ready to boil over and they're just looking for an opportunity where they can be around some people and won't judge them. You know what I mean? And I think that's such an easy gift to give people. It costs you literally zero things. You just know that there are more things that you don't know uh, than you know. And just because of that, you probably shouldn't judge anybody. You know what I mean? Just call it a day. But, uh, but yeah, I know. So I thought that that was beautiful. So before we wrap up, uh, just to end on a high note, there is one uh, quote that I found that I really liked uh, that I wanted to, to read for this one. Um, and that is from Epictetus, who I've quoted before, famous Stoic. Uh, and he said that the key is to keep company only with people who uplift you, whose presence calls forth your best. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like you are the company you keep, right? And I think that there's a quote out there, like you're the average of the five people you keep around you the most. And it's really important to understand when you're battling mental health issues, when you're battling addiction. And I brought this quote up because of a, a veteran that I'm working with who's dealing with some addiction issues. And the people in his life uh, enable him a lot. And like they they also partake in in what this veteran is addicted to so they're not really helping him very much and because he can't change his environment uh, uh well i should say because he hasn't changed his environment he constantly file uh, finds himself getting pulled back into his addiction and uh you know he's in a program right now uh that we got him into and we're talking about what we're going to have to do to change his environment when he gets out and part of that i, I told him may include some of the people that you have around you the most. If the people, if you don't want to drink beer and everybody around you drinks beer all the time, it's going to be super hard for you to stop drinking beer. Right. So I love that quote. You know, I love, I love thinking about just really being cognizant of who is around you when you are thinking about your goals and your own mental health. So very cool quote, but, uh, I wanted to thank again, all of our listeners out there, um, can't, I, we can't tell you how much it means that you would tune into, to an episode and spend some time with us. Uh, another big thank you to our four sponsors for today's episode. That is smart local two, six, five Kaz cauliflower pizza, Sergeant stickers and trio. Make sure you check, uh, the description. If you are, um, if you download this episode so you can find their links. Uh, if you have any other questions, just feel free to reach out to us. And just remember that you do not have to be afraid 
to reach out for help.